Powell Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's wide range of beautiful wood designs can be painted, stained, or unfinished to complement any decor. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 24 months. Visit PowellWI.com. Expires 9-30-2022. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Now, there's two ways we can go on the program today. We, we can either go kind of like really soft and we're going to ease into the, the weekend or... You know, we can go full on evil Mr. Rogers, you know, and just kind of discuss the, the various issues that, that are out there from the correct perspective. And I, I was kind of trying to decide which way to go. But actually, the first couple texts that have come in have convinced me we're going to go full evil Mr. Rogers today. That That's just, just kind of it. All right. Um, I, I mentioned we were going to do a story about you know, legalizing marijuana. Now, here's here's the thing. It's it's an academic conversation right now because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen regardless of whether Tony Evers is reelected governor or Tim Michaels is elected governor. It's not not going to happen. It's not going to happen regardless of how many people in Milwaukee County come out and and vote for it because there's overwhelming Republican control in the legislature and the, the belief is that this would not be good for the state. So all these conversations we have are are academic. It is not going to happen. And I understand that pot is legal in a number of the other states and things like that. And I also understand that that is probably the wave of the future, that, you know, we're we're going to legalize this. I also make a distinction, and I always have, between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. I have always said that I do not understand why we don't allow for medical marijuana. If you've ever had anybody close to you, for example, who's been dealing with, oh, say, cancer or something like that, and you see the drugs that get prescribed for that, I've never understood why people shouldn't be allowed to be prescribed medical marijuana so that if, you know, again, if you're a cancer patient and this can help you with your appetite or ease nausea or something like that, I've, I've never understood that. So in, in this conversation, I, I put aside the issue of medical marijuana, but instead now I come to the concept of recreational use. Now, look, I read the polls. I understand a majority of Wisconsinites would like to see marijuana legalized. Okay. And I you know, whenever I introduce these topics, I say potheads of Wisconsin kind of unite. And then it, it's always amazing because I get these texts from potheads who object to being called potheads. How dare you call me a pothead? You go out and you have beers. I don't call you a beer swill or whatever. Well, okay, I, I'm, I'm sorry. By, by definition, you know, if you're one of these people that wants to sit in your parents' basement and smoke a lot of marijuana, yeah, you're what I consider to be a pothead. That's not a pejorative sort of term. Embrace it. You want, if you're a pothead, you want to be able to come out from mom and dad's basement and you want to be able to, I, I don't know, smoke pot out in public. Like if you go to Amsterdam, you see all that stuff. Last time we were in Amsterdam, I swear, we're walking through some of these streets and it, it's, it's, you're getting a contact high. It reminds me of being like at musical fest, music festivals in the 1970s. There's just this kind of overwhelming smell of marijuana. But oh, okay, that, that's, that's the discussion. Now, keeping in mind that it isn't going to happen, at least in Wisconsin, not any time in the near future. I'm still willing to have this conversation, but I want to approach it from slightly a slightly different perspective. If you are one of the people who want to see marijuana legalized, 
All right. You want to be able to have, you know, people go out and be able to, you know, buy pot and smoke pot in public and, you know, drive your cars after you've been smoking pot and all that sort of stuff. If you're one of those people who want to see marijuana legalized, I have a simple question. And that question is, why? Tell me why. Give me your best argument for why marijuana Again, we're not talking about medical marijuana. That's a different story. But tell me why, in your opinion, recreational use of marijuana should be legalized. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is a simple, straightforward question. Why should we do this? What is the most, your best argument, your best justification for why we should legalize marijuana? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. My producer Charlie makes me laugh. Yes, that's the perfect. That's one toke over the line. That's my Brewer and Shipley. They were one hit wonders. Here's a little bit of trivia. They performed. I was I was not at the Ice Bowl in 1967. I was at Summerfest the night George Carlin got arrested for the seven words you can't say on television or in Milwaukee, as it turns out. And Brewer and Shipley was one of the acts. The headliner that night was Arlo Guthrie and Pete Seeger, and it was George Carlin, and it was Brewer and Shipley, whose big song was One Toke Over the Line that you just heard there, and the Siegel Schwall Blues Band, and one or two other acts. I was in the audience that night. Okay, back to, I get distracted. All right, here, here's my question. Um, marijuana is not going to be legalized. This is the reality. It's not going to be legalized in Wisconsin anytime soon recreational marijuana at least but my question is because this comes up every election year and tony evers is going for the pothead vote and he's saying i want to legalize this even though he knows it's not going to happen because he's not going to have support in the legislature my question is give me the best argument what why do you want to see recreational marijuana legalized let's start with rock uh you're on wtmj good afternoon Hello? Okay, I'm going to tell Dusty to get on his job. Okay. Got, all right. Got, okay. <laughs> 855-616-1620-Let's see. Let's talk to Mike. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. Give me the best reason. Why do you um, think recreational marijuana should be legalized? I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, just like everything else, regulate and tax it. Money. There's, uh, we're leaving a ton of money on the table. I think we're foolish if we don't think that people are heading to Michigan, Illinois, Colorado, California, and a plethora of other states to go on vacation simply because they can smoke pot. And so, therefore, those states are receiving our residents' hard-earned dollars that are benefiting their state and not the nation, but just their individual state. I mean, do you think somebody makes a pot smoker? Do you think somebody makes a vacation choice because of of pot? I mean, I'm I'm going to go to I'm going to go to absolutely really that that's the I mean I'm going to go to law I'm going to go to Las Vegas the, the, the tourism okay, I'm sorry the tourism in Denver has gone up the tourism in Denver has gone up dramatically since uh, since pot has been legalized in Denver absolutely maybe it's not the full driving factor but if there's something that's going to tip the scales one way or another that absolutely is is something that people can weigh in on or people will weigh in on a decision you know and it's 
it's a ton of money being left on the table that is just going to the black market funding whatever we we know and don't mm-hmm. know that we don't need to fund. Hmm. Well, in- interesting. I mean, I, anymore. I was an everyday pot smoker for decades, but I'm not anymore. Oh, okay. No, thanks for calling. Pot tourism. Hmm. I, I guess I'm. I, I'm just I'm maybe maybe that really occurs. I guess I, I'm trying to think. Hey, we're going to take the family on vacation. Where are we going to go? Oh, we're going to drive to. We're going to go drive to Boulder, Colorado, so we can smoke dope. I, I guess I'm. I'm having trouble thinking that that that's really something that that's going to move the needle on that. But maybe, maybe I guess that is the case. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. But that's the question. I want to hear what what's what is the, the biggest gain, the biggest justification you think that there is for legalizing marijuana. And that argument was first one is well we're 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 losing out on tourism money. People are 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 going to different places because they want to be able to smoke pot. I'm having trouble thinking that that's the vac- driving factor for the vacations because, candidly, my, my guess is th- th- we'll be patronizing black market stores here. Interesting, there was a big piece in the L.A. Times this week about how even even though they've decriminalized marijuana, they're, they're still, there's still the huge black market there. 855-616-1620. Anne, Anne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, the biggest the biggest justification you think for legalizing recreational marijuana? People are going to do it anyhow. I'm a middle-aged professional woman. I have been recreationally smoking pot for probably the last 15 years of my life. Um, I do it because I prefer it over alcohol. Alcohol makes me sick to my stomach. You know, you're fuzzy-brained the next morning for work. I can come home, I can have a hit, I can relax, I can make dinner, I can get the laundry done, you know, sit down and watch some TV. By the time I'm going to bed, my my little bit of a, uh, you know, buzz is worn off. I go to bed, I sleep great, I wake up in the morning and I'm refreshed. Okay, but you're doing that already. You don't need pot legalized for you to do that. Well, you do because you have a fear of um, the, there's the stereotype that goes along with it that I'm, I'm doing something illegal. I'm a, I'm a very much a uh, rule follower. I don't speed. I'm, a, I'm one of those persons. Well, that but but Anne, by definition, early, but, but Anne, by definition, if, if you're telling me you're smoking pot every night, you're, you're not a rule follower. You know? Well, exactly. That's the whole thing. So one thing in my life is making me feel like I'm a horrible person. Why hmm. should I have to feel like a horrible person? For something that is God grew, it's something that grows out of the ground. Yes, it's been manipulated just like all of our vegetables. Everywhere else, it's all GMO'd, which increased the THCs. But literally, God grew this. This grows out of the ground. This is not being manufactured in a lab. You know, it's not other than now it's being toyed with. Now that's the other fear. Is now you got to worry about, well, now you got to drive down to Illinois or up to Michigan because you used to be able to get on the black market. But now you're so afraid to get it on the black market because it could be laced with fentanyl. It could be laced with anything else. And it's like, all I want to do is just be able to relax. And alcohol doesn't work for me. How so would you would you make that same? Would you make punished? this? Would you make the same argument about, let's say, heroin? That's a completely different drug. That is very addictive. Marijuana is not addictive. It okay. is not a gateway drug, and it is not how, addictive. How, how many? How many? many how, okay. how many? Well, okay. You, you, you just. I think you start off by saying you've been smoking pot like on a daily basis for fifteen years. Yep. And I go through periods of times where you know you let off for like a month or two, especially if you can't get a hold of it. 
and it's not like I'm having withdrawals or whatever, but then when it comes around, it's like, oh, yes, because now instead of having to have a beer and feeling nauseated or a cocktail and feeling nauseated, it's like, okay, now I can have my little smoke, I can sit down, I can relax, or I can get my stuff done, and that's just how I feel. Okay, I'm sure there's a lot of other pot smokers out there that feel the exact same way I do. Okay, no, thanks. I, that, that, was my, that was my question. I was just... I was just asking you know and and her thing as well i i don't want to feel guilty or i don't want to feel threatened that i might get arrested for doing this and my only point was it 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 hasn't stopped her from doing that and i guess i i do this idea that it's not addictive it's not addictive in the sense of okay maybe you get the physical addiction that you get from like like heroin and I, i understand that but at the same time I don't know when people say I've been smoking pot every day for the last 25 or 30 years, but it's not addictive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We continue the conversation in just a minute, but I'm, I'm curious. Give me your best argument as to why we should legalize marijuana. Okay, we got the Beatles there, 855-616-1620. My question is, give me, give me the best reason as to why you think Wisconsin should legalize marijuana. It's not going to. That's just the reality. number of people on the text line, and we're getting swamped with texts, are they're making the argument about tax revenue. You know, we should we should legalize it and we should tax it. The argument is people are going to do it anyways, so why not? Why not legalize it? Why not tax it? And then what's Tony Evers' idea? And it, it's sort of interesting. Evers' idea is let's tax it and then let's then let's let's use it to help fund schools. So we're going to base our education on I don't know tax revenue generated from people who are smoking dope. All right, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to uh, Dave in the Fox Valley. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey. Uh, first off, I have to laugh, and by the way, I'm a long-time listener. I like your show, but the way you frame the discussion about smoke it in your kids' basements, or I always go back to the Reaper Madness movie where it's going to cause people to go crazy or it's a gateway drug. The reality, I think, is Anne framed the argument very well. Uh, I live in Wisconsin, but I professionally go to the UP in Chicago all the time. And there's a lot of professionals who actually use it, not on a regular basis, but they use it because it's more relaxing. They like the taste. And a lot of them, quite frankly, grew up with it in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I think the the supportive argument would be that, yeah, you've got the definite revenue enhancement. Yes, there are people who do go vacation for specific areas. I'm not one of them. But I do travel professionally, and there are people who go outside of the state to where they do purchase it, and they use it as a recreational product, much like alcohol. And to draw draw an argument about the addictive qualities and going to, oh, you know, heroin and everything, I understand why you bring that up, but let's draw a comparison with alcohol and what alcohol does to just about as many people, if not more, in our state, which I also like alcohol, but... Well, so that would be my that would be my question. Okay, well let's let's work with that. Let's work with that for just a second. Let, let us assume that you know alcohol is bad. It's addictive. You know, it, it, when it's used not in moderation, alcohol can be bad. Drunk driving. You know, alcoholism, addiction, and things like that. Even if we accept the premise that that legalized pot is not as bad as alcohol, would you agree with me that for some people? It is, in fact, a gateway drug that that when if you look at a lot of people that are hooked on heroin or cocaine or methamphetamine, they started with with marijuana. Would you accept that premise or no? 
I, I would to a certain degree. Sure. I would, much like anything else. If yeah. somebody has propensity yeah. for whatever reason, and it could be any, you know. I understand. Even with alcohol, too, but I would accept that premise. But if we accept, and I think that that's fair, because I think that that's kind of the case. If you talk to almost anybody that's, you know, in, in any sort of rehab, they'll tell you, for drug rehab, they'll, they'll tell you they started with marijuana. And, and that's not everybody. I'm not arguing that. Okay, so if we accept that yeah. there are there are some people that, marijuana is not good for why as a society would we encourage people to do that just like you know i understand alcohol is legal but there's some people that alcohol is not good for well and then i would conversely say why wouldn't we just uh much like prohibition disallow alcohol based on that same same argument because my feeling be it proven or not that we can talk at length about that is I don't see it that way, having grown up in the 70s, gone through school, you know, the addictive qualities, yes, there are a certain part of the population who may become addicted for whatever reason, but a majority of my professional friends are high producers and what have you, much like Ann, and we find it, and we don't use it regularly, but we like the availability of it, uh, and you really can use that argument for anything that adds a psycho active mm-hmm. quality alcohol being one of them so i just wish it was available i like your idea of the pharmacological having some friends and family are dealing with cancer i don't understand that aspect of it i wish they would legalize it it does give the controls uh we can do, generate some revenue and yes there are areas like i say they do go recreationally i like i say i'm not one of them but i just wish they do that and stop adapting to me it's an antiquated attitude and I don't mean that. You no, know, I got it. Okay, good enough, Dave. Thanks, thanks for calling. I got, I got the perspective. No, I understand, Dave. Thank, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of late for the news. I, I got the perspective. All right. I, what I want to do now is I want to switch gears. Charlie, let's clear off the phone lines. I, I, I want to I want to ask the flip side of, of that question. And you, you've heard, you know, some of the, 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 the pro pot, let's legalize this because, I don't know, we're a tourism island. I'm having trouble with that. We can generate tax revenue. I think that there's some degree of validity to that. It's not as bad as alcohol, so, you know, there's that. It's not a gateway drug. I have I have more trouble with that issue, quite candidly, because, like I say, you no, you, like I say, you talk to anybody who, for example, is onto harder drugs, they will tell you they started with marijuana. And it, that's not to suggest that you, you know, everybody that starts with marijuana ends up on heroin. But give me the flip side, 855-616-1620. Why shouldn't we legalize marijuana? All right, here's a text just to start this aspect of the conversation off. Jeff, I'm in local law enforcement. I was in D.C. in May for a police week and speaking with a law enforcement representative from Colorado. He was telling me the worst thing that state ever did to contribute to the drug ec- epidemic was to legalize marijuana. All right, that that's just kind of the, the perspective. Okay, so we, we heard in the first segment from people who, you know, give me the best reason why you think pot should be legal. Another segment now, my question, 855-616-1620. Give me your best argument for not, not, legalizing recreational marijuana. You know, one of the things our, our last caller, I, I thought, made is a good argument as to why he believed marijuana should be legalized. One of the things he said is that, you know, he knows people that just like like like, like the smell of it and, and stuff like that. I, I, having no experience with, like, the edibles or things like that, I never understood that. Because, see, one of the just aesthetic things about marijuana, smoking marijuana, was that it's, I mean, it's, 
it, it, there's nothing I don't think that's pleasant to, uh, about it other than the fact that you're doing it to get high. You you like the effect of it. I mean, you can make the argument. I, I like the way beer tastes. I, I like the way a nice wine tastes. I like the way bourbon tastes. So I would argue that you're doing that. You know, for something other than just purely to get yourself polluted, marijuana smoking, I don't think there's nothing much aesthetically appealing about it. You're, you're doing it because you like the effect. Now, that doesn't have to do with edibles, and I have absolutely no experience with that at all. Okay, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, give me the best argument about why you think the state of Wisconsin, so far the legislature is correct in not legalizing marijuana. Let's start with Mark, who's calling us from Central Florida. Hi, Mark. Hey, Jeff, and thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was a Wisconsin resident my entire life. I've called into your show before, big follower, until three, three and a half years ago when I moved to Florida. Here in Florida, medical, medicinal marijuana is legal, but not general marijuana use. Um, I've read... And I've only been to Colorado once in my life. I've read numerous sources that since Colorado totally legalized marijuana use, not just medicinal, that the incidental crime rate in the major cities like Denver and Boulder, Colorado, has gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. Why has it gone through the roof? Because these people have to supply their habit or even their occasional use. And the majority probably of people that use marijuana are not working in a doctor's office, okay? They're not the physician you see. They're not the lawyer down the street. Sure, there's exceptions. Occasional use is, is one different thing. But I guess I got to say, lastly, we got a major problem in every state in this country with drunk drivers. What we need to do is we need to legalize marijuana so we have twice as many problems on our highways. Well, that's, I mean, th- thanks for calling. That, that, see, that that is an interesting argument to me. Now, first of all, on, on the incidental crime rate, first, let me share a, a text we have. Jeff, my cousin lives in Colorado and voted yes to legalizing marijuana. She recently moved out of Colorado because it was so bad. The money they promised them is being used for drug rehab. And as far as the, the incidental crime rate, now, I, I don't have all the statistics, but I know I've seen a lot of stuff that particularly in some of the, the border communities around some of the states, you know, what they found is legalized pot has been a magnet for people to move in, and it has increased homelessness, and it's increased the incidental crime rates and things like that. So that's the, the downside of it. I, I do, I am also sensitive to this argument that you're making about drunk driving. And it's why when people say, well, it's no worse than than alcohol. Okay, let's accept the premise that we have a huge problem with drunk driving. All right, do we we make society better by by legalizing something you buy by definition, increase its use, all right? So let, let, let's be honest about this. If you suddenly said marijuana is legal, you're going to have more people that are going to be smoking marijuana, and so that means that you're going to have more people, by definition, who are going to be driving around, and they're going to be chemically altered. All right, is, is, that, is that a good thing for society? Part of the problem with marijuana, too, is because it, it's not like alcohol in that you can do a blood alcohol level and you can figure this out. Um, you know, marijuana stays in your system for, you know, weeks. And so the, the question is, you know, how do you assign levels and how do you determine if somebody's impaired? But I do think that that's something that's a fair argument to make. You legalize marijuana, more people will use it. And even if, uh, even if 
75% of those people are using it responsibly, what you're going to have is you're going to have a portion of people who, who aren't using it responsibly, just like there's a portion of people who don't use alcohol responsibly. So the question becomes, do, do we want to, as a society, do we want to encourage, you know, people people to engage in, in behavior that's going to be irresponsible and dangerous? I throw that as a question out. Let's talk to Sunshine, who is from California, but calling us from Wisconsin. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience, um, with my name and being from a fourth generation Californian from San Diego, you would think I'm pro. I'm not. Um, And I'm I'm 29. Um, I actually had my ex-boyfriend's from Colorado. He actually created one of the strains that is one of the most popular strains of marijuana in California. It's even named after his musical name. I won't mention it, but so I've, I've seen it. I, I had tons of weed around me at one point and never even really smoked that much. So um, I don't smoke at all anymore. And I, for cancer patients, for medicinal, I'm very holistic, so I'm really into the holistic aspect, mm-hmm. absolutely, 100%. Um, for me, people really need to look into cannabinoids, the CBD aspect of it, because that's really the good stuff. That's the stuff. It does not give you a head high. And if you get the pure, like, done in a holistic lab and the really pure stuff, that absolutely can help people from everything from migraines to cancer okay but t- to, sunshine I, I got that but, but tell me why because you're right you're you know just given your background and what you're talking about you should be one of these people calling up in the last segment saying no we, we got to legalize this what why are you opposed to the recreational use of marijuana Okay, here's why. I grew up in a town called Encinitas my entire life on the beach. Um, I ended up moving to a town. um, I have rescue dogs, so I wanted a lot of land. So I went and uh, rented a house in a place called Anza, which is right above San Diego, uh, North San Diego. And Anza became wild, the wild, wild west. Here's how, here's what happened. Every person who, when, when it, when it, when they first announced California was going legal, every single person, their mom and dad and sister and brother went to either Humboldt in Northern California, or they went to Anza. Anza went from a sleepy town of just an amazing, amazing picturesque town to um, literally, it became the wild, wild west. The crime rate went up. It became the number one city in all of California where where um, animals were killed because because people would just run them over. These people. Um, also, not to judge people, but there's a lot of people not working with a full deck right now. Uh, there's just a lot of people that aren't. <laughs> the brightest it, it, when they drive anyway. So you add weed to the equation and you have dumbed down people that are, that will drive guaranteed. Um, on top of that, this is the most important thing. We're not talking about weed that has been grown in the backyard of a hippie 60, in the sixties or seventies. That's pure and organic and actually does something good for your, for your body or in Hawaii, we're talking about a hybrid that is completely compromised. Um, what I mean by that is they're splicing it. They're doing something to it that it's not normal. When mm-hmm. you smoke it, you are so out. You are so out of it. 
it's it's not anymore the rainbows and sugar plums where you can actually like paint or go do something creative. This is they call I, it actually like weed crack. It's it's called. Uh, I'm told the potent. I'm, I'm told the potency is, and I, again, I have no frame of reference currently. So, but I'm, I'm told the potency of the marijuana that that is you're getting now is much, 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 much greater than it was like back in the '60s and the '70s. And it's, it's it, that is absolutely correct. And it's not. It's there's there's something else. There's also tons of chemicals. You're actually smoking chemicals. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually lace it with fentanyl. A hundred percent. I've actually heard of that happening. Um, there's people are dying left and right from fentanyl overdoses in California right now. Um, on top of that, here's the pied the resistance of the whole thing. That town. There were people who were in there with legal documents saying, I legally went and got all my documents to grow. And still SWAT teams with, I'm talking military-style police officers, came in with bulletproof jackets with helicopters and busted and raided them. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, there are Colombian criminals. There are people coming in, especially through California. They're not just weed growers. They actually deal in coke. You never know who's who, and if you believe in energy, which I do, I think everything's made up of energy. You can actually feel the shift of what it, okay. it is. Well, sunshine, I, I appreciate. My- no, th- thanks for the perspective. I, I, I appreciate this. I was. This is. I've been doing. The, I've been doing a radio show in this market for full or part time for twenty seven years now. You're the first caller I've ever heard, first sunshine that has ever called up, and the first sunshine, first caller I've ever called up with, with intimate experience with the the marijuana industry. Um, and and I and I appreciate I, I do appreciate the the perspective, and I guess kind of the takeaway is that it, it's. It for everybody who thinks that this is this incredible industry, and and actually it's it's funny that, that you make it. Let mention it because, like I say, a, a big series of stories in the L.A. Times talking about how they're first of all legalizing pot hasn't hasn't stopped the illegal trafficking in it, and it really hasn't had a lot of the different uh, pluses that maybe people thought. Um, all right, one more call on this, Kate. Kate, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Kate. Um, absolutely opposed to Wisconsin uh, regulating or, or, you know, stating, yes, it's okay to, uh, you know, do marijuana. Um, I, too, am very concerned about already impaired drivers out there. We have cell phones, we have alcohol, and now we're going to add marijuana to the list. So that's that's yeah. a big concern. I do believe it is a gateway. Okay? For some so people, yeah. I My children... My children grew up in the 80s, and we had D.A.R.E. programs at school. And it's funny to me that Governor Evers wants to use some of the tax revenue for the sale of marijuana to support school system. I mean, really, come on. You know, have we not taught our children all along not to do drugs? Um, I just think that's ironic. And what about drug testing for employment, drug testing for any reason what happens there so no got it no th- totally I, I, I appreciate it. no thanks for calling that i mean that the, the whole see that's part of of the issue so if you legalize it 
What what do you do? For example, like I say, part of the problem is it's not like alcohol where it's gone from your system in a relatively short period of time. Marijuana stays in your system for, like I say, up to thirty days, and and so I guess that that's kind of the, the question as well. And what what do employers end up doing? And I, I throw this out as a rhetorical sort of question. I mean, do you? I mean, obviously, I think employers have a right to say that, okay, we don't want our employees coming in, you know, under the influence of alcohol. I mean, I think that's a reasonable thing. How do you measure that with marijuana? I'm not saying you couldn't necessarily do it, but these these are all those factors that are there. In, in any event, it, the, the reality is it's not going to happen. It, it's At this point in time, the, the politics are such it's not going to happen. And I understand that when they do the polls, 65 to 70 percent of the people say it should be legalized and taxed. And, and generating tax revenue, to me, is the most compelling argument in its favor. I guess the question, though, is are the downsides, do the downsides overcome the rent, the revenue that you would get? Hey, does your workplace deserve to let loose and have a party thrown by WTMJ? Register your office on the contest page at WTMJ.com from September 12th to the 16th. That's today. Today's the last day for this. Tell us why your team deserves to win, and we'll throw your office a party, including four dozen cream puffs from the Wisconsin State Fair. Go to WTMJ.com to register. Jeff, my daughter works for the state of Colorado in HR. They don't drug test because they wouldn't be able to find enough employees to fill the open positions. I think there is an element to that. Okay, now if you want another compelling reason, for example, today that it might have been nice if marijuana was legal because if you've been following what's going on in the stock market, the Biden economy continuing to tank. It is once again ugly uh, today. Dow Jones Industrials down right now 363 points. NASDAQ down 210. It's, <clears throat> it's going to be a really, really bad week. And it's one of several bad weeks. This will now be the, let's see, what are the numbers here? The three major averages, the S&P, the Dow Jones, and the NASDAQ are on pace for their fourth losing week in five. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has declined 4.7% this week alone. And, and again, today's going to be a bad day. S&P 500 is 3.8% lower. NASDAQ Composite is down 6.2%, headed towards its worst weekly loss since June. So, again, the amount of wealth that is being that is dissipating, that, that is losing in this economy, given all the stuff that's going on, including the absolute failure to, to deal with inflation and the continuously bad inflation numbers and, in, in my opinion, the irresponsible government spending, which has fueled inflation. And I understand there's people out there who say, oh, it's no big deal. Stock market goes up, it goes down. Yes, that that's true. And if you've got... A 30-year time horizon? Don't worry. If you're in retirement now, though, or if you're nearing retirement and you're trying to figure out what your nest egg is, watching what is going on in the market in a day, on a daily basis, and unfortunately, it appears it's going to get worse before it gets better, it is sort of, sort of tough. So if you're looking for maybe the best excuse to go out and have something that's going to relax you, it's, it's the, once at the end of this month, once you get your quarterly reports on where your 401k stands, and if you look at like how much money you've lost year to date, that's probably everybody's going to need to do something that relaxes them a little bit because it's bad and unfortunately it's going to get a little bit worse. All right. When we come back, Let's talk about high schools, both from the perspective of violence in the schools and what parents have a right to know. And let's talk about how we control reckless driving. All that and a lot more coming up. Stick around.
Stay tuned. Jeff Wagner returns after this on W. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, we continue with the evil Mr. Rogers theme as we try to just to ask some questions that maybe people need to ask. So you, you just heard during Mike's newscast, the Secretary of Transportation was on talking about how this is this is in Wisconsin, this is great, we're going to take $78 million in federal funds and we're going to put up some of these electric vehicle chargers and we're going to put them so that there's, at least along the major highways, that you, know, you can go, like, there's going to be one at least every 50 miles and we think that that's going to spur people to buy electric cars because obviously you have to be able to, to charge the, the cars right now about one percent of the cars on the road in in wisconsin are evs they, they say that last year maybe about five percent of the new cars that were sold were, were electric vehicles now whenever we've talked about this before i i, I know lots of people who have well, not lots i know few i know a handful of people who have electric vehicles in i think every case with maybe one exception, the electric vehicle is the it's the second or third car. It's it's the car that's used for like driving, you know, short distances around. It's not the car that's used to take on long road trips. It's not even the car that's used to drive to Madison or back or Green Bay or back or things like that. It's the car that's kind of fun to drive around, you know, town for a little while. And and that's that, that's good. I mean, I, I understand that there's kind of that niche that's there. But I, I've said this before. I, I do not right now. You know, you can put all the charging stations you want out and i don't think it is going to significantly move the needle to make most people want to have an electric vehicle what do i mean well all right so several months ago i i drove to and from florida all right so in in my my car you can probably get I don't know. I've never run it down to empty because once it, even on the road, once it gets to about a quarter tank, I, I start to put gas in it. So, but let, let's say, let's say I can get 400 to 450 miles on a, on a tank of gas for the sake of, of argument. Let's say 450 if I wanted to really take a chance with that. Okay. So I'm driving along on, on the road and I, I see that the gas gauge is going down. And so, okay, what happens? I, I pull off the interstate and I find a gas station. And I pull up to the gas pump, and I get out, and I take the gas pump out, and I put my credit card in, and within the space of two or three minutes, I have filled my gas tank, and I'm ready to get back on on the road. And maybe I take a couple extra minutes because I, I, you know, go over and use the bathroom or go in and get a cup of coffee or a soda or something like that. But in the space of even stretching your legs, in the space of five to ten minutes, I have filled the car up for another, you know, 400 plus miles. I've gotten coffee. I've gotten soda. I've gone to the bathroom and I'm back out on the road because that's important to me because I want to get to where I'm going. Now, even with these fast-charging electric vehicles, I mean, uh, let's say that, okay, we put in these these new fast chargers, and I'm not talking about the ones that people have in their garage that, you know, you charge the battery overnight. I'm talking about you are on the road. You're using your car to to drive distance. Um, Rapid chargers, typically it depends on the vehicle, and it depends on, I guess, the rapid charger, but typically... 
and I'm just like looking at the math here, you can get in a half hour, you can get, depending on the car, somewhere between 60 and 200 miles. So you have to find the electric charger, and you, you have to then hope that there's nobody else at the electric charger, and then you sit around for a half hour, and then you get sometimes 60 miles, sometimes you know 200 miles. All right, as a practical matter, who is going to do that? I mean, in, in the real world, I understand that this, this niche. I understand the electric vehicles, and, you know, you want they're, they're fun, and you want to spin around town in them, and, and I, I get it. And maybe, again, if you've got that charger in your house, and you want to take it out and use the car to go downtown for dinner or something like that, or you want to use it for groceries or to drop the kids off, I, I understand that there are there is that niche that is out there. But as a practical matter for people who are really going to use their cars and who want to have the flexibility to to take the cars and go on long drives, even if you build these chargers, as a practical matter, who's going to wait, you know, a half hour to get a charge of between 60 and 200 miles, which then means you're going to have to to do it again. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, I I understand if you've got a bunch of money and the taxpayers are subsidizing this and you want to go out and you want to buy the electric car because you think it's going to be fun or cool, that's fine. If you want to buy the electric car because the taxpayers are subsidizing this and you're, you're never going to drive outside of, I don't know, the Milwaukee metropolitan area. Okay, I, I understand where that might come in. But in the real world where most of us live, where from time to time you are going to, you know, want to, you know, drive to Madison or drive to Green Bay or drive to La Crosse or drive to Minneapolis, places that you can't get to on a single charge, who's going to really do this? And now, there might be a time in the future where we figure out where we're getting the lithium for the batteries, and you can get these batteries that can last five or 600 miles, and you can get these batteries that, you know, you can charge in a matter of minutes like it takes to fill up the tank of gas. But until they do that, I mean, seriously, it, it, are electric cars practical for most uses? And, and my answer would be the technology just isn't there. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620. Look, there there will be a time in in the future, probably in the farther distant future, regardless of what Tony Evers or Joe Biden wants, when when electric cars might make sense, when the cost of um, producing gasoline and stuff gets to such a level that it makes sense. But right now, we're not there. And I'm listening to the story. Oh, we're going to take $70 million in federal funds, and we're going to put charging stations along the along the interstate. Oh, okay, that's fine. The, the charging stations for these electric vehicles, at best, even if you're able to find a fast charger, the batteries right now, now maybe it's going to be different in 10 years, but the batteries right now at the fast chargers, for a half hour, you get somewhere, they say, between 60 and 200 miles, depending. Okay, well, if if you're driving to Minneapolis, okay, seriously, do you really mean to tell me that people are going to pull off to the side of the road? I don't know how many stations that they're going to have, and as a number of people are pointing out, if these stations are already filled with people in line waiting for their, you know, you know, 
hundred mile an hour, hundred mile charge for half hour. You're going to wait in line thirty minutes, sixty minutes, you know, ninety minutes, whatever, so you can charge your car, so you can go somewhere between sixty, sixty and two hundred miles. It, it's just, it's not reasonable, at least in my opinion. It's not practical and it's not realistic and like i say i have people who own electronic friends of mine who own electron electric vehicles and they're, they're kind of fun play toys and that's what by and large they use them for hey you know this is our second it's our third car we're going to spin around town in them and they're kind of fun to drive and all that stuff I, I get it but as far as day in day out practical cars are you going to buy one if there's a chance that you might want to visit your kid in madison or in minneapolis or or go visit you know your parents in Green Bay. No, it just doesn't make any sense. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Herman and Racine. Herman, you're first. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, uh, this is Herman and stuff, and I thought I'd add to it a little bit. Uh, You're talking about electric uh, cars and stuff. I was adding to uh, electric buses. And and Racine, uh, with the state and stuff and the federal uh, monies and stuff, they were awarded, like I think it was around $3.8 million dollars uh, for uh, ordering electric buses, and if they had uh, received the first four, and they were being trained on it several months back and stuff like this, and I think they're getting more. But uh, the interesting fact was that uh, uh, I saw a few of them on the street, and then all of a sudden they kind of disappeared. Yeah. Uh, we, my wife and I, were at the end of a route uh, of one of the buses and stuff like this at a, at a strip mall, and. Uh, uh, the driver kind of took a break and stuff waiting for other people to get on. And I asked the driver, says, Where, uh, why aren't we using these electrical buses? Uh, and that, uh, and the driver said, uh, well, they won't maintain a charge yep. for an eight-hour period or eight-to-five yep. uh, uh, time frame. So they're just using them for high demand, maybe eight to nine in the morning yep. or something like that, or five and six or four or five in the afternoon. In between, they must be sitting back being charged somewhere. Well, right, exactly. So they're using the regular normal diesel buses because they won't maintain a charge. Right. Thanks for calling because the technology isn't isn't there yet. And, see, nobody asks these questions. I mean, it, and, and, again, this idea that we're going to, oh, in California, you're only going to be able to buy electric cars by, by 2035, putting aside the fact that the power grid is a disaster and we have no explanations to how people are going to charge lo- those electric cars. But but you've got the limited battery life that, that's out there and, and the limited mileage. It, it's just in the real world, this stuff doesn't make any sense. Dave in Sheboygan. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Good afternoon. First time caller. Thanks. Yeah, Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day Monday. It was uh, whatever, three, four in the afternoon, and obviously you got a lot of people coming home from up north, and uh, Tesla charging station in Sheboygan, I think there might be six bays, was all full. Now, if you're guy number seven, in addition to sitting there waiting, now you've got to... Uh, while it charges, you even got to wait for your turn at the charger. Yeah. So this is just crazy what they think they're going to do. So just sharing that. Thought. No, no, thank. No, that that's exactly. I mean, that's that that's exactly it. And again, gas station. And if you look, I understand that there might be, again, as as play toys. That these electric vehicles might have have some appeal, and if you think that 
okay, I'm not going to need to charge this along the way. And let's let's say I've um, all right, I'm, I'm going to go to Madison and I'm going to you know spend the night and I, I know where this charging station is, so I'm going to be able to I'm going to get to Madison and yeah, the battery life gets me to Madison and I'm going to charge it overnight and I'll be able to get back home. Oh, okay, that's that that's fine. That might work. But you do not have the flexibility that you have if you want to, I don't know, drive, you know, more than, you know, a couple hundred miles and unless you're willing to take these chances. And you make an absolutely outstanding point, Dave. All right, you come up to one of these charging stations. Look, you come up to a gas station and all the pumps are filled, no problem. You wait your turn. Two minutes later, you pull in, you filled up your tank of gas, and you're on the road, and you've got another three, four, five, six hundred miles to, to go. That's not how this stuff works. And I understand that there's people who just, you know, want to get into the electric vehicles. You know, th- this is fear-mongering. No, this is the real world. It's just absolutely the real world. And this push that we have to try to say we're going to force you into electric vehicles. We're going to, you know, use the carrot, which is we're going to have the taxpayers underwrite some of the costs of this. And then we're going to use the stick, being that we're going to punish, you know, um, automobile manufacturers. And we're going to put in all these mile per gallon limits because we all want to force this. Now, part of this, too, I think, is to force people out of of driving their their cars long distances because that's going to be part of the problem and i just i I love it that this idea that oh it's not a big deal so you pull up and so you have to wait 30 or 60 minutes to get to the charger and then you got to wait another 30 minutes for the thing to charge and then you've got 125 miles on your battery less if you're driving in wisconsin winter by the way because you're using the heater and maybe you're using the um the windshield wipers and the defogger and all this type of stuff so you know maybe even less than that but people aren't going to care it's not a big deal well it is it is a big deal and if you want to go buy your electric vehicle go with god i don't have a problem with that at all and some people will do that but the idea that these things are ready for prime time now for everyday people and average use we're not close to that and you know pretending otherwise doesn't help and i haven't even gotten to the issue of where the batteries are going to come from. You know, where, where are we going to get the lithium for these batteries? What do you do with the batteries once they die? You know, where are we going to put all these type of things? You know, what is the econo- what is the impact on the, on climate by mining that lithium and things like that? Those are all the, these issues as well. All I'm saying is if you want to go out and buy yourself an electric vehicle, that, that's fine. Go do it. But, do you really want to, is it right to force everybody else to try to buy these electric vehicles? Because you know what? Some, some of us might, might like to go on longer road trips and, and we don't want to have to wait hours and hours to charge our car so we can go another 150 miles. If that's cool with you, great. Buy the electric vehicle. Be hip and trendy. Have fun. But for a lot of other people, it's just not practical. Hey, Wisconsin, the leaves are starting to fall, and you know what that means. It's time for Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank. This week, we feature Outdoor Living Unlimited, the premier outdoor living specialists. You can contact them at their number, 262-567-4513, or visit their website, outdoorlivingunlimited.com. It's Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase on Wisconsin's radio station, 620 WTMJ. Now, a number of people are texting in, and they're saying, you know, this push to go all electric is just, it's misplaced. 
And again, it, it's kind of this virtue signaling that's leading to all these sort of problems. What about hybrids? You know, a hybrid is, of course, the combination of gasoline-powered engine and you've got the battery. And it runs on the battery till the battery starts to run out of a charge and then the gasoline motor kicks in. It, it's, it's something that avoids, you know, you get, you get longer gas mileage. It's more climate friendly because you use less gas as a result of that. But interestingly, they're, they're, they're pushing this because, um, the, the new hybrid cars, actually the sale of those is, is going to be coming, coming to an end. Um, matter of fact, in, after, uh, in 2030, the United, United Kingdom, you know, has, has a, a ban on some of these types of cars. Now, why do people, dislike the hybrids well because again for for some of the the folks they, they've still got a gasoline engine and you're still running some on gasoline to me i agree the hybrids make the most sense because again you've got first of all you've got the battery that recharges constantly while the engine is is running so you've got the best of both worlds you've got increased fuel efficiency if you now you you surrender certain things like power and stuff like that but but that's but that's still You've got the best of all worlds because you've got the electric vehicle and it's going to run on the battery until then the motor kicks in. So you've got this balancing so you don't have to worry about, gee, I'm driving to... I'm driving to Green Bay. It's 10 degrees above zero. The heater's running, and I'm watching that charge go down and down and down, and I'm trying to figure out where can I go charge the place and how long am I going to have to sit in the cold and wait for it to charge. The hybrids would make more sense, but you got to understand, we're, we're apparently all in on these electric vehicles, whether they make sense or not. And if you want to have one, that's fine. I don't know too many people who have this as their daily driver because they're just not practical, and the truth is they're not going to be practical 10 years from now either unless there are major 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 changes so very glad to have you with us on a friday afternoon there was a couple stories on television wawatosa west high school students and this this is one of these kind of disconnects here um this morning that they had a, a walkout and they are hoping to get the attention of the school board because they are, are protesting, you know, violence at the school. And I'm, I'm looking at I don't know, one of the reports on TV. These bunch of kids are out there. They've got signs. We can't learn if we're not safe. Why is this still not an issue? It's still an issue. Stop the madness. Enough is enough. You know, what's it going to take? All these different types of things. And the latest thing that is causing this protest is that there was a, a fight at the football game last week at Hart Park, at Hart Park, um, last Friday evening, when um, officials responded to a, a fight, apparently um, what happened was I want to kind of get the details of what happened, but there were there were groups of people who got into a fight. Someone apparently had a gun in the stands. The police ending up arresting four people, including. Um, three of them who were who were kids. Well, okay, so th- this is the, what you have is you have kids who get in a fight at a football game. Well, I just my question, I guess, first of all, to these kids who are staging the protest is: 
all right, if you're upset about violence and these fights and stuff, I, I understand that. But, I mean, first of all, maybe don't you have to look inward? And it's like, okay, if kids are fighting with other kids, do you have to own up to maybe some of the responsibility? And, and maybe maybe instead of people egging other people on in the fight and maybe instead of people encouraging this or calling their adults and calling their, their relatives to come get involved, maybe don't you have to, like, kind of own this up and say, all right, this is a problem that, that starts – you know, internally, and, you know, if we've got people that are going to these football games looking to get into a fight with people from the other school, you know, maybe we have to own that a little bit. Or is it this idea that, well, we, we need to get the school board's attention? Well, the school board understands that, but maybe you want to say to some of these kids, maybe you have a little bit of responsibility here as well. But I understand we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to ask for, you know, anybody, I guess, to expose and show any sort of responsibility at all. Now, the school district actually I think is 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 addressing this sort of issue for example at home football games they say they're going to have school resource officers on site to provide support it said that they're going to have um, additional spectator supervisors identified by fluorescent yellow vests and t-shirts who will be in the bleachers and at the concession stands during halftime. Um, they're going to have these supervisors work to make sure that people on the home side or the away side stay on the home side or the away side so that there's no crossover that occurs, figuring it's going to be less likely for the fights to develop. And then other rules saying they can't bring backpacks in and that once they leave the stadium, they're not going to be allowed to re-enter. All those different things I, I think are, are clearly appropriate. It shows to me that the school board is, is doing this. But again, I think the starting point, and I think it's perfectly appropriate for the school board to say, okay, we're going to have a more adult supervision there and all these type of things. But it would be refreshing if somebody would say to these young people who are protesting that the school board's not doing enough for their safety, oh, okay, who is it that's getting into fights at these football games? And if it's kids from Walwatosa West that are getting into fights with kids from the other side, maybe the students need to take some responsibility as well as kind of stopping that, going, hey, you know, we're not going to accept this either. So when you have that loudmouth kid who's, like, screaming at the other side or something, maybe the other students need to take at least a little bit of responsibility and instead of encouraging that kid or sitting on their hands, you know, trying to do something actively to diffuse the situation. Clearly, adults have a responsibility, but kids have a responsibility as well. And you just can't wash your hands of that and say, well, there was a fight between students at a school at the school football game. You know, why isn't the school board doing more? Well, maybe it's like, why aren't the students trying to, like, help defuse these situations? Just asking. All right. As long as we are talking about schools, let me go where angels fear to tread, because on the one or two occasions I've talked about this in a different context, I've gotten all these texts saying, oh, you're, you're just you're transphobic and, and you hate people who are different and stuff like that. And, and it, that could not be, for a variety of reasons, farther from the truth. But, but here, here is the deal. If you are a parent and you have kids in schools, you will, if there's, you, you get alerted as to the kid's grades, so if the kid has a problem, you'll, you'll know it. If the child is marked absent, you will be told about that. If there's a field trip, you know, you're, you're notified. We're taking the kids on a field trip, and you have to give permission. And the list goes on and on and on. There's all sorts of things, and that, that's appropriate because you are the parent. And at the end of the day, 
you are the one as the parent that's going to be responsible for you know for your child and your you you have to know you have to sign off if your kid wants to get a tattoo under the age of 18 you have to approve it but there's all these things because at the end of the day you are responsible for your child's upbringing. Now, if you're doing a lousy job, if you're a lousy parent and you're abusive or you're neglectful or whatever, well, then, you know, then the, the state steps in and they, they make these assessments and there's consequences for that. But by and large, you're the one that's responsible for taking care of your child. And the reason for that is in many cases, kids, they, they just don't have the emotional maturity to make certain decisions. By and large, we don't allow 10-year-olds to decide what they're going to have for dinner, right? Because if you said to a 10-year-old, you know, what are you going to have for dinner? It's going to be, well, I'm going to have a bowl of ice cream and a pizza all the time. We, we don't allow that. We need, or at least I think most responsible parents wouldn't allow that. We, we don't allow 10 or 12-year-olds to decide, I'm going to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning. You, know, you, ha- you have bedtimes, right? You know, those, those are the rules. That's what comes with raising children. You make these decisions which is why I guess I'm having trouble understanding why this is as controversial as it is. The Arrowhead School Board, two days ago, contrary to what is being challenged legally in Eau Claire and in Madison, they approved a policy. All right, now I hope you're sitting down for this. The policy requires parental permission for students' names, nicknames, and pronouns to be changed for use while at school. Now, you you may remember, there's a couple school districts, like I say, Eau Claire is in litigation about this, Madison is as well, who have decided that the parents cannot be trusted. So if a child comes to school and says, for example, I want to change my gender identity, and I no longer want to be referred to as John, I want to be called Joan, and I want to be treated as as a female, the school district in Eau Claire and in Madison, they'll accept that. They'll say, okay, that, that's fine. You you have made the decision. You are now Joan. You are not John. We're going to change the pronouns. We're not going to refer to you as Mr. We're going to refer to you as Miss or Ms. or, or whatever it is that you want, and, and we're going to make that decision. However, they also say, we are not going to notify the parents of this choice that you have made. We're not going to tell mom and dad about this, and we are even going to go so far as to say that, you know, if there is a parent-teacher conference, for example, and we are referring to John as Joan in school, we are going to go back to referring to Joan as John in front of the parents, so essentially lying to the parents about what, what they're doing. The Arrowhead School Board has just said, no, look, this is the deal. We're not going to allow this. We're not going to allow students' names, nicknames, and pronouns to be changed for use while at school without parental permission. So if, if mom and dad sign off on this, that that's fine. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, I, see, I understand why some stuff is controversial, but this this to me should not be one of them. I, I look. I, I this is not a question of being transphobic. I understand that there are a certain segment of of kids who are born as boys and identify as girls and vice versa. And, and that's I, I don't have an issue with that. I, I don't. But when you're talking about minors, 
it seems to me that those sort of decisions regarding transitions and things like that, it needs to be made in consultation with the parents and not behind the parents' back. And if it's a question of, well, I'm uncomfortable discussing that with my parents, well, I'm, I'm sure that there there is a factor. And I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons why the child might be uncomfortable, but it's not for the school to go ahead and do it and conceal it from the parents. It's rather to say, okay, well, well, maybe we need to get a counselor involved in something like this, but we are not going to aid and abet you deceiving your parents. Our number, 855-616-1620. And, and, and all I know, and again, this... I appreciate that there's all sorts of difficult issues that this presents. And this isn't anti, you know, transgender people. I get that 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 happens. But at the same time, doesn't the ultimate responsibility for this fall on on the parents? They're responsible for all these other things. And I just don't see how the school can deceive the parents about something that is very, very significant. You have to have some input. And again, if it's if the kid is uncomfortable talking about his parents about this, I, I get it. I understand how that would be that. But that doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't include the parents in this decision, whether it's counselors or, or whatever. 855-616-1620. We discuss. I, I guess in this, this whole transgender issue, if you have a minor, and that's what we're talking about, talking about grownups, if you have a, a minor that is going through this, it, it's... It is a very, very big deal. And in my opinion, it's not to be undertaken lightly. And parents should be consulted. Maybe psychologists should be involved. Counselors should be involved because there's a lot of different stuff that is going on here. And that's why I don't think you can allow the 12-year-old kid to make that decision on their own and have the school board then say, okay, the school say, yes, whatever you want goes. And then what's going to happen is we're we're also then going to go that next step and, and deceive the parents about this. And if there are kids who are concerned about talking about it with their parents, which I certainly understand, well, then what you need to do is you need to, I don't know, maybe set up those meetings and you bring in the counselors and you bring in the psychologists and you try to bring the parents in, but you can't keep the parents in the dark. I think that is irresponsible. And if it's not illegal, I think it should be illegal because at the end of the day, the parents are ultimately responsible for what happens with their minor child. If we're talking about adults, it's a completely different conversation. And and I guess this is now a big story that Arrowhead has said, okay, we're not allowing kids to change their, their pronouns and to change their names without without parental permission. If you've got a situation, like I say, where the, the child is afraid to address this with the parents, that that's an issue. But then, then you bring in the counselors, you bring in the psychologists, you work collectively with the parents to explain what is going on here and allow them to have their input. You don't deny parents' input, do you? Let's talk to Jack. Jack, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Parents are the ones that are, are responsible for their children and should be informed and be part of the decision-making process on everything, okay, for, for, for their child. Right. You know, with that said... The, the, this, this sounds like it's a liberal plot or a ploy again, you know. Um, and for most liberal uh, ideas, you have to all your own beliefs have to be changed in order to in, in order to fall for this, okay? Or for any of the liberal things, you know. I mean, um, just everything they're doing today, we know it's not going to work. It didn't work in the past, and, and there's a reason it hasn't been done because we know it doesn't work. But they're still doing all these programs, okay? And you can. You know, you can 
go off, you know, one after another, you know. Um, well, Jack, I mean, uh, liberal program. Well, thanks, thanks for. I mean, I, I think that this is. There's just been kind of this this sea change in stuff that, that that's gone on, and it, it's really been just in the last actually five or ten years where you know that this this whole concept of well, there's no such thing as gender and, and things like that. And I, I I don't really want to wade in on that aspect of of the culture war, except to say that you know these are when when you are talking about minors. That, that that's a whole different story. I mean, if again, if you've got some nineteen or twenty year old, or some thirty year old or forty year old that that wants to make certain decisions, that that that's their call. That that that's their call. But you know, we we don't allow minors to make these decisions. And th- this idea that we're suddenly going to allow minors to take what I think is a, a very very significant step. That hey, I, I don't think that my my gender. I was born male, but I consider myself to be a female, or vice versa. And there there might be again instances where this is perfectly legitimate and i i i've seen this happen but before where it's a decision that's made in consultation with the parents and with psychologists and things like that and and the schools on board with this and i think that that's perfectly appropriate my only objection to this is that when you do it without input from the parents is where i, I think it's wrong just because you wouldn't allow input you wouldn't allow other decisions you wouldn't send a kid on a field trip without them having that parental permission slip right if the kid's not showing up for class you notify the parents you don't just simply say okay well we're, we're not going to deal with this that's that's just i think the common sense aspect of this which ends up getting lost and like i say if you've got that really rare situation where you've got the child that uh, again feels that their gender is misplaced or whatever, and they're they're afraid that they're going to be abused at home or something if this comes out. Well, okay, that's when you get the authorities in and you start to figure out how to deal with this. But you don't go ahead and go behind the back of the parents. Period. Today, Joe Biden is going to be meeting with uh, family members of Brittany Griner. She is, of course, the the professional basketball player who made the decision to travel to Russia to play for a a team last February, right as Russia was getting ready to invade Ukraine. She also made the decision, either intentionally or accidentally, to bring in a a small quantity of hash oil, which is illegal um, in, in Russia. She has now been detained. Now, in a saner world, what would have happened is she would have been fined and she would have been immediately deported. But, you know, we, we don't live in a sane world and, you know, Vladimir Putin is a monster. And so Brittany Griner has been detained. And there, there's no question she's being held as a political prisoner. And and what Russia is doing is appalling. But the question becomes, how, how much should Russia be able to extort the United States government? Um, apparently, the government, the U.S., ha- has agreed to sort of like a, a prisoner exchange, Brittany Griner and, and one other guy who's being detained in exchange for a guy who's referred to as the Merchant of Death, who was a known arms dealer who's serving a 25-year federal prison sentence. Um, so far, Russia has not responded to this, presumably because Russia wants even more. So Biden is meeting with, with the family of these people. But my heart really does go out to them. And it's unfortunate that this has happened. And maybe this is an object lesson that people you know, need to be careful about what they bring into other countries and stuff. She is being treated extremely unfairly. But at the same time, 
as I've said before, just like you don't negotiate with terrorists, I don't think you can negotiate and take out, I don't know, let the merchant of death go simply because Russia is demanding it. And I, I... Apparently, they want even more than the United States is already willing to offer. And I guess I I hope Biden doesn't allow himself to be extorted and up the ante even more, which doesn't mean I'm not sympathetic to this woman's family. But at the same time, you you just can't negotiate with terrorists. You just have to identify with them, identify what they're doing, and then work through it. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Mike Spaulding, before you leave, I had an interesting experience while you were working and doing the newscast. I, during the break, sometimes I, I get up and I walk around a little bit so my knee doesn't stiffen up and stuff. So I was just walking around the halls, and I see a number of our teammates, our colleagues from the urban, our urban radio station, The, the Truth, and like a half dozen people. And they're they're with somebody and I didn't recognize who she was, but she's giving them a tour of the building. And and they're, they had taken them like upstairs and upstairs is this whole other world that hasn't been used for a long. There's a conference room and then there used to be a cafeteria in the back. Have you yeah. ever been, you've been there. Oh, yes. OK. You, yeah. you, I, I forgot when we stopped using that. But there's like that cafeteria in the back. The records room and all that stuff right. upstairs. And, yeah. and so n- none of them have ever seen it. So they're taking him on a tour of the building, which, which was fine, except I'm, I'm set. I said, wait, I thought you guys were leaving Monday or Tuesday. Well, yeah, we are, but we're, we're getting the tour. It's like you would think that, okay, normally we're going to give you the tour of the building on your first day of work, <laughs> not on your last day of work, right? Well, you're getting a little tour of everything, things you might have missed. There is there is a bathroom up there, too. Yes. That I don't know if everyone knows. It's the emergency bathroom, which I like, with ours are being cleaned or whatever. Right. I know there's not going to be a lot of people, but we were talking off the air. You kind of look around and go, how long have I been here that we were using parts of the building that people now don't even know about. Like, it just is one of those, like, eye-opening moments. Right, and and for people who, you know, we've been talking about moving, but it it really is coming down to that. We're... There's only really a handful of radio people that are left here in Radio City because a couple weeks ago, all the non... What they call content, which Mm -hmm. essentially the on-air people or or our producers and stuff, um, and a couple engineers, everybody else, the salespeople, the marketing people, most of our management staff moved downtown to the the new digs in the avenue, leaving the rest of us. And and the plan is that I, I think as I saw this on on Tuesday, we, we have three radio stations here. We have the, the Truth, our urban radio station, WTMJ, and 94.5 WKPT um, ESPN. So the way I, I saw it, it's a staged thing. On, on Monday, I guess the, all the Truth people go down there for their orientation, and then their first day is Tuesday. For us, September 26th is the orientation day, so that'll be the last broadcast day from WTMJ. And then from there on, we're, we, we start downtown. That's the way it kind of goes. Yeah. Monday will be uh, trained up. Have you thought about your last show at Radio City? Like, have you thought, are you going to do, just going to be a regular show? No, not sentimental? <laughs> You're giving uh, me the look. No. <laughs> I don't, no, you know, it's funny. I, I, that's what I was going to ask you. I just, you know, this is, I mean, I've only I've only worked at two radio stations, one part-time up the dial and, and here for, um, in November, we start the 25th year of the show full-time. Um, and... I, I just, you know, it's funny. I remember vividly walking into this studio the, the first time, and I was just so overwhelmed because it was like, 
wow, this this is just as radio studio radio stations and studios go, very very kind of impressive. And now, twenty five years later, I look around and it's it's really it's it's tired. <laughs> There's just no it's it's just kind of yeah. it's, it's sort of tired about that. So no, I'm I'm not. It's funny. I'm not nostalgic in in that sense. I'm more kind of like. Well, it, it's going to it's going to be different. My commute doubles, and there's all sorts of different things. And I'm and I'm a creature of habit. That's yeah. as my wife will tell you. I, I just I'm a creature of routine. And so the the biggest thing for me is going to be developing, getting into that new routine and getting out of a routine that you've been in for 25 years. And that's going to be the challenge for me. But it's I guess it's good to get us out of our routines. How do you feel about the move? I'm looking forward to it. I, I've been down to the avenue a few times now as it's been getting more and more established and they're they're starting to put in the microphones are going in and some of the like the CPU units and the boards and stuff like that are getting put in. I just kind of wanted to keep an eye on how, how are things progressing? What is our team going to have to know? All that stuff. But Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been here for seven years at Radio City. Um, It's the only station I've worked at in the state of Wisconsin and uh, really kind of came into my own here. So, no, I wouldn't say I'm super nostalgic about the building. But one thing we do here that is really cool is keep um, you you wreck. I think. Weck says, Keep, recognize the past, but always look towards the future. So, you know, know where we came from. We, we've had these old photos, black and white photos of what the studios used to look like. And during my time here, I think WTMJ turned 90, I think that was a few years ago. And so Eric Bilstad and I had the opportunity to go through some of the old tapes, like reel to reel tapes from like the 70s uh-huh. and 80s and stuff. And obviously we go further than that, but just to kind of get a retrospective of what it looked like. So I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, sad at all or uber nostalgic i just think it will be different you know driving by here on the way to shorewood or wherever it is if we're coming up this way and go oh yeah we used to be in there so i think i'll miss it i'll miss some of the history but i am looking forward to kind of having a a blank slate to really you know have our imprint our stamp on it i think it's going to be great i think for me the most do you have a place to sit uh in the newsroom you have a place in the news. Yes. See, this is this is it's it's part of this like we, we are part of this open concept. So I don't I don't have a. <laughs> I I started out when my started out my career. I had I had offices. I had really nice offices. And then I went to cubicles. Now I don't have a cubicle. It's just kind <laughs> of like just show up and find yourself a space, and then you go in and do your show. It's my my sense is it's going to be kind of like going to the airport every day, where you you pull in you find yourself, you know, you park in the parking garage, you go to the gate, you wait for them to call your flight, and then you, you kind of leave. It's sort of like that, I think, because I don't, I don't I, it's just open concept, just to f- find a space and hang out till it's time to do your show. Yeah, not a lot of name tags uh, in the upstairs office space, which I, which I think is cool, and it will be interesting, too, to see. I'm really interested to see if people just find their spot, even though it's not officially their spot, and that's just kind of where Jeff sits. This is where John sits. This is where you know, Rachel will be sitting because we're all, I think, creatures of habit. It's like the lunchroom at school in middle school where everyone just you find your seat. And even though it's not assigned, you just kind of go there. Well, for me, it, it, at the end of the day, what I do is all I, I need a microphone and I need something that's hooked up to the transmitter. And it doesn't matter whether I'm and, and actually I've come to grips with that. It doesn't matter whether I'm working remotely or, or whatever, because I prepare most of my stuff at home. So that's kind of but it, it will be that's going to be, I think, the most interesting transition for me. People are asking questions. Are you still going to be WTMJ? Yeah, we're going to be WTMJ. Yeah. It's not going to be Radio City, though. Yeah, it's not. It's going to be something. New. I guess we'll call it the Avenue. Yeah, I get I'm, I'm interested to see if it gets a new name. Like, I don't know. I I do like Radio City. I will miss like saying that because it does have like this feeling of prestige, which is just kind of cool and and harkens back to a time when, you know, radio and television and media in general were kind of different. So that'll be a little heartbreaking, but I I don't think I'll entirely miss it. As you mentioned, it's a little 
We haven't so, got a lot of updates lately. So no, they're tired. <laughs> so the other day, my my wife says to me, "Well, I, I'm getting together with some of our, our friends, and we're going to come down and watch the show." And I see, because so people won't. I mean the the studios which are on the first level, which are on the the food hall. Yeah, it, it's on it's on one end. I think we're on like the west end of of the, the food hall. And yeah. We, yep. We we over and so there there's us. There's TMJ, and then there's a newsroom, and then there's ESPN, and then there's a Truth. They're all kind of in a, in a line there, and we overlook one of the the food vendors or something, whoever that might be. And but there's an opportunity to kind of walk. I, I, it's not like people are going to stand there and watch the show for any length of time. I don't think it's not really set up for that. But we're there when you pass by. Yeah, so. which I think is going to be kind of. I look forward as a news person to be in the middle of things happening you know up here we're, we're kind of secluded a little bit not only because we're in our own building but we don't have a ton of windows because we're in an enclosed studio space so i think there will be like a new sense of energy which i which i am looking forward to having i don't think it's going to be as conducive to stand and stare like it is at state fair park necessarily no but i don't think that a lot, a lot of that's going to happen i think people will wave a few times and then it'll just be like and the background noise. Right, and then hopefully like use all their fingers when they wave, right? <laughs> <laughs> or just the thumb. I'll do just the you, thumbs up. You'll take up, the but... thumb, right, exactly. Well, in any event, that that's kind of, a number of people are wondering, you know, what, what's going on. And that will be the transition, and you can come, and you can, you can see what people end up looking like and things like that if you're still curious about that because the, the move is, in fact, happening. Next week, it's our urban radio station, The Truth. The week after that, it, it's us. I got my note saying your orientation is 9 o'clock, so be down there at 9 o'clock on on Monday the 26th and then the 27th, we're all set. Do you get asked a lot about, are you going to change your wardrobe? I, I feel like whenever I'm on Scafidi show, people are always asking, like, are you going to change what you're wearing to Steve, even though you cannot see what we're wearing right now? I don't know if people just assume that we wear sweatpants every single day or whatever it is, but do you ever get questions about, are you going to change your wardrobe or anything like no, that? No, because I think anybody who listens to me and knows me knows what the answer would be, which is, no, I'm not, cha- I'm not <laughs> planning on changing anything. I mean, it, right, I mean, I, I wear, I, I got into radio because most of the times I want to wear blue jeans, so I wear blue jeans to work, and I wear like a, a shirt and every, I know I freaked out everybody the other day because I came in with one of my lawyer suits on, and because yeah, I, was I, nervous. I, yeah, well, because I, I do a, you know, I, I had to do an, an event, a, a, a sponsored event with a senior realty specialist, and then I, I had a, a, a big fancy dinner that I was going to afterwards, and it just didn't make sense to keep changing back and forth. So I wore the suit, and everybody thought I was either job interview or a funeral. That was that was kind of it. But but no, I'm not going to be wearing suits and stuff because at the end of the day, it's still it's still spoken word radio, and it's theater of the mind, and it's all that stuff. So no, I'm you're not going to change how you dress. You dress okay. Oh, thank you. I try. Yeah, I try and wear khakis every day except for Friday and casual Friday, flannel Fridays as we call it in the newsroom. And yeah, no, we're not wearing sweatpants or anything like that. When I started here, though, uh, we wore shirts and ties and, and slacks and dress shoes every single day. And that was that was a big thing. And then uh, once the pandemic happened, we kind of loosened up a little bit on that, which is nice, uh, I, I think. I, every once in a while, I'll wear like a shirt and never a tie anymore. But sometimes I'll dress a little One of our listeners says, instead of Radio City, we should call it Radio Mall. There you go. Done. See? All right. It's a working title. Working title. No, those are decisions way – I don't know if it's made by people above my pay grade, but it's definitely a different pay grade, so I leave that up. All right. Talk to you soon, Mike. We're getting all these questions from listeners, from people who are saying, oh, you know, what, what are you going to do on the last day? Are you going to wear a Jimmy Buffett T-shirt or something like that? That might be – it's not that I don't have enough of them. That's, I've, I've told this story before that uh, for years and years I collected Jimmy Buffett tour shirts and then Margarita full things. And 
My wife will tell you I have hundreds. That's not true. I, I might have a hundred. There, there is no question that when I pass away, she's going to take them all. She's going to put them on a giant like like rack and put them on the front lawn. And the sign is going to say Jeff's dead. You know, Buffett T-shirts for free. That that's there's no doubt that 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 is going to happen. And I am we're like we're going to Vegas in a couple of weeks to see Buffett in concert. And it's it's one of those where <clears throat> I, I've been told that if I buy another. T tour T-shirt from like the current tour that the two have I have to find two that I got to get rid of and and actually that that's that is kind of a fair sort of thing people come into the closet where they're all held it's just you got to see this can you believe that he has all this stuff and it's not a good can you believe that he has all this stuff it's more like can you believe that this moron I married you know has all these different T-shirts and stuff like that and there's really. There's, there's just no excuse for that. Hey, we, we talked yesterday a little bit about the, the violence on Brady Street and not, not just the shootings that occurred, but th- this very high-profile situation last week where a 32-year-old man was run down, yet another hit-and-run, which unfortunately happens, if not every day, it seems like every two or three days in the city of Milwaukee. The people run away, and, and normally, normally hit-and-runs are easy are relatively easy cases for law enforcement to clear. By by that I mean typically there's there's cameras so you know what kind of car is involved. Lots of times you get license plates, the car is damaged so that there's you know the, the person either has to abandon the car or they they park it in the garage if it's their car and then try to figure out how to surreptitiously get it fixed. It the it's easier to clear those than others. Part of the problem the cops have, though, now is that there's so many of them. I think that they're just overwhelmed with this. And the the man who was run down on Brady Street, his parents are making appeals for people to come forward and identify who it was that was responsible. Because people know it's not just it's not just the person that did it. There's other people that know. And unfortunately, we have this no snitching culture that exists from time to time. But in any event. One of the things that they're considering doing on Brady Street and the Brady Street Business District is saying maybe we should look at closing this off to motor vehicle traffic, essentially, you know, making it just pedestrian only. Now, that that creates huge problems because Brady Street is one of the, the major you know, east-west thoroughfares in, in the city, and it's to, to close it off would be make it very I think in my opinion at least it would make it very very difficult for for traffic to, to, to get around in that area of the east side I mean if, if you weren't able to use Brady Street as as a conduit it would also create huge problems for for buses and things like that but I guess my bigger objection to this and concern with this is if you block it off, because you have reckless driving, and if that's the and, and this is right, the argument isn't. Hey, we think it's going to enhance business to turn this into a pedestrian mall. The argument is we're just afraid of safety because you've got too many yahoos out there that are driving in an irresponsible fashion. So our way to do this is okay. If we want to stop hit and runs on Brady Street, well, we'll make it more difficult for cars to go up and down that. Even though, as the tragedy at the Waukesha Christmas Parade showed, simply blocking off a street doesn't always stop people from from driving in a reckless fashion. But the idea is. We're, you know, we're, we're afraid. You know, we're afraid that pedestrians could get hit. I guess my response to that would be, if you block off the streets, aren't you letting the bad guys win? I mean, seriously, don't we need to come to grips once and for all 
with the idea that, yes, there are things we can do with designing traffic patterns and putting in speed bumps, which discourage people from driving in a reckless and irresponsible fashion or make it more difficult for them to do. And and I'm not opposed to that stuff. But can't we just come to grips with the fundamental problem is that you have bad people out there. You have irresponsible, reckless people out there. You have awful human beings. And I'm sorry, you run over someone kill them and then drive off and then hide for a week, you are a terrible human being who deserves to go to prison for a really, really long time once they catch you. And then, you know, if if you're if you believe that there is a heaven in another place, you know that your spot in that other place is pretty much well assured. But I guess I, I think, you know, doing all this stuff, well do we close this off? Do we put in speed bumps? That's that's just putting a, a small Band-Aid on a gaping wound. The gaping wound is the criminal element out there, the irresponsible people. And until we get those irresponsible people off the street, all we're going to be doing is saying, okay, well, now you, know, now you don't have somebody that was you know, killed when somebody ran a red light on Brady Street. But you know, all we've done is we've diverted the problem two blocks you know, further up because people are still going to be crossing intersections and people are still going to be driving recklessly. Until we get the reckless drivers, we hold them accountable, we prosecute them, we get them off the streets, and then we send a message to other people saying— if you don't want to spend the next three years, you know, in Wapan or wherever, then don't blow through red lights at 90 miles an hour in a stolen car. Until we come to the conclusion that enough is enough and we're willing to do that, well, this stuff is going to continue to happen and you can shut off all the streets that you want and it's not going to change a darn thing. So Mike Spaulding, a number of listeners are saying, okay, on your last broadcast from Radio City, you should dip into the giant Jimmy Buffett T-shirt closet that you have and and wear a Jimmy Buffett T-shirt, one of the tour shirts or whatever. My producer, Charlie, says, if you wear yours, I'll wear mine, which makes me wonder, what if we have the same one? (laughs) <laughs> if you wear the exact same one on the same day, right? That people would talk about that, you know. I, you know, I, and of course, you know, he's got one. I've got you know a stupidly large number of them. So I well, think I have two. You got two. Okay. Well, all right. Well, we'll 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 think about this various thing. We'll 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 cogitate on that. We have still got a week or so before the last broadcast. Okay. Now this is just odd. You know, HBO Max. You remember HBO? It's like kind of like political correctness run amok. They have. If you watch it, they have they have movie posters, you know, from time to time as they advertise stuff. They have they have all these old movie posters that they'll show. They are photoshopping and removing all cigarettes and cigars from movie photos. So, like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which was a famous movie with you know Warren Beatty and Julie Christie, the movie poster Warren Beatty is holding a cigar. They've they've removed the cigar, so now his fingers are just <laughs> like at a weird just angle, ha- doing the peace sign right, almost. <laughs> right, uh, it, the life and yeah, the life and times of Judge Roy Bean with Paul Newman in the movie poster. He, he's holding a cigar now. Now it's gone, and he's just his like hands are in this awkward thing that's out there because it's heaven forbid that you know we should see people with like cigars and cigarettes in movies how many young people are clicking on that movie poster not only to watch the movie but then in turn are going to get inspired to start smoking cigarettes like what do you think that percentage well, is well, there has to be a better way to spend your time right? well you would you would think <laughs> but of course this is political correctness run amok it is also 2 30 on a friday afternoon which means pop culture corner right around the corner pop culture corner is of course presented by our friends at palermo's pizza it's time now 
now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. It's Pop Culture Corner time, brought to you by Palermo's Pizza, delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. One of our listeners says, hey, I've got a great idea for Pop Culture Corner, movies we still enjoy that would never be allowed to be made today. Yeah, Blazing Saddles, for example. Can you imagine? You wouldn't even think about making Blazing Saddles in today's day and age. Nope, we might do that someday. That's actually, I like the idea. Today, um, and if you're new to this this feature, we do this this time every every week. It's kind of our way to ease into the weekend. Sometimes we talk about music, sometimes movies, sometimes sports, sometimes travel, sometimes food. Uh, today, because the, the big even though nobody watched it, or almost nobody watched it, the Emmy event, the Emmy show was on Monday. It was it was a TV celebration, and I, I've been thinking. I, I'm a, as a kid, I grew up watching TV. A TV was my electronic babysitter, and I just I, I have I have the TV on in the background all the time. So I'm a hopeless TV junkie. The problem I find is that when I sit down, and even though you have this whole universe of choices, and I've got more streaming services than I want to admit to, I've got the full of cable thing, I still I sit regularly trying to find stuff to watch. And I'm almost kind of paralyzed because there's so many choices, and I'm also kind of a completist, which means that if, if I'm going to make a commitment to watching like a TV show, I want to watch the entire TV show. And I don't just mean, you know, one episode. It's it's I, I want to watch the series. That's I, I want to binge on the things. I have some very, very dear friends, they know who they are, who, for example, Andy Griffith, they watch the Andy Griffith show every night. And they watch like two hours of Andy Griffith every night. And it doesn't matter. I think it, that ran for six seasons, five or six seasons. And it doesn't matter, maybe a couple more. It doesn't matter whether they've seen them all or not. They, they love they love to watch the entire show, and they never get tired of watching the entire show. So I thought for today's Pop Culture Corner, we would turn to TV, and I, I don't know if it's so much it's appropriate to describe it as a binge-worthy show, but we'll use that phrase. But 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the TV show— that you never get tired of, that you could watch from beginning to end, whether it was three seasons or seven seasons or 10 seasons or 12 seasons or whatever, that TV show, your favorite that you just never get tired of. And if we want to call it binge-worthy, that, that's okay too. But you know, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen the show, you could just sit down and you could watch all the episodes back to back and never get tired of them. 855-616-1620 is the number. And as we told you, our feature is brought to you by Palermo's Pizza. One of our callers in the complete and total discretion of my producer, Charlie, wins our Palermo's prize pack, try saying that three times fast, which is uh, coupons good for two free Palermo's pizzas and a really cool Palermo's pizza cutter that I wish I had and some other stuff as well. Um, it's exclusively in Charlie's discretion, so be nice when you call in. All right, a TV show you never get tired of that you can watch back-to-back over and over again, 855-616-1620. Back to discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 
TV shows that you never get tired of. Jeff, it's easy for me. Seinfeld. I've watched every episode. I know every line, and I still laugh out loud every time I watch it. It's the best sitcom ever. I, I, I freely admit, I was wrong about Seinfeld. Not that I didn't think it was funny when it was on in the 90s, but I thought... I thought it was so New York and such a product of its time that it would not age well. And I I was wrong because I I agree. You sit down, you watch Seinfeld and the episodes, it seems they're just as current and just as funny now as when they first aired. Jeff, for me, it's Leave it to Beaver. My wife and I watch it every morning. I've seen every episode at least 100 plus times. Yeah, Leave it to Beaver, kind of like Andy Griffith. It's just it's it's a show from a different time and place, but it's. It, it, it's it's family entertainment. A lot of times there's a little bit of a moral to it. And um, how about that, Eddie Haskell? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dennis. Dennis, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. As I was, as I was waiting to talk to you, I was thinking a little bit more about this. First of all, I'd, I'd say anything NCIS. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it's actually Belisarius, the guy who produced all these things, okay, or most of them, and then they spun off. Because he also did Jag, and he also did Quantum Leap. And right, those right. Those are all great series also that I really get into. But most recently, the one I'm really hooked on is Yellowstone. Is it? I haven't. I have. That's on my list. I haven't watched that yet. Oh. My my wife has started on that, but I have not start watched that. Is it start? Is, and it's start what's, from the beginning. What about it? Is it, it is not politically correct well, by any stretch. Of the but, but 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 I'm not either. So it's it's like th- so it's it's had three yeah. years. Am I right? Has there been there three seasons so far, or am I behind four. in that? Four. four. Okay. Four seasons now. Got four it. Okay. They're, they're about to start their fifth on the November uh, whatever it is, November ninth or something. Okay. Good enough. Thanks. I'll, I'll put that in. I'll put that in the hopper. A couple people mentioning West Wing to show you what a a good show West Wing was, at least in the beginning. Um, I mean, it was sort of like this liberal pipe dream and stuff, but I I thought it was so well done that even for people who didn't agree politically with it, it was very good. First four seasons of West Wing, I've watched those a couple times. It ran for... I think six or seven years, and that was three years too long. They pretty much exhausted everything there was to do. But the first four years, I think, were were very, very good. Gail, Gail, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Uh, MASH. It's got to be MASH. Okay. I don't care what I'm doing. If I see it, I click on it, and I can identify with so many of the episodes. I can pick up wherever they are and continue watching it. Um, It made me laugh. It made me cry. You know, it was very good. Were you an early? Okay, do you like the early episodes better with like McLean Stevenson when he was Henry Blake and stuff, yes. or like okay, you, yes, so, I did. And, and I definitely right. did. And that was probably the episode I remember the best. Was remember when McLean Stevenson wanted to get out, and boy, they sent him out. He was never coming back. Well, and right when they right when the radar came in. Yep. Radar walked into that operating room and said he wanted to report that. You know, Henry Blake's um, chapter had gone down and there were no survivors. It was silence. They didn't even play music on the go out. Right. It was just dead silence. Right. That was, no, thanks. Right. That was the end of uh, season three. MASH, I think, the the Korean War ran like what, three years. MASH ran, I think, uh, 12 years. But that was at the end of season three. And, um, you know, the character who, um, McLean Stevenson, who played Henry Blake, he wanted out. And so they said, okay. And they killed off the character. There was there was like no coming back after that. But it was an incredibly powerful thing. And Mash, I think, was very very good. I I think towards the end they, again part part of the problem with these TV shows is that 
there's a story they tell. There's a natural story arc, and then sometimes they, they they've told that story, and then they kind of hang on because there's a lot of money involved. I think Cheers was like that. I love Cheers, so don't get me wrong. But the first several years I thought were great, and then afterwards I kind of got the idea that they were sort of hanging on. The Sopranos, another show like that. I I love The Sopranos. I think it was great, but I thought they started to recycle plots to try to get it to be six years when maybe it was really like a three-year show. Let's talk to Julie. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. You're calling from Jackson, Um, one of my favorite communities. I love Jackson. Well, thank you. Mine, too. (laughs) Mine, too. And I feel like I'm the same age as the previous caller because I had two and one was mashed. But the one that I submitted or that I'd like to tell you is the Mary Taylor Moore show. Okay. (laughs) Um, I just thought it was genius. I thought it was genius. And it showed a strong, single um, woman that um, I admired, um, that you could you could do what you needed to do on right. your own. You didn't need possibly anybody else. I just loved it. And so funny. And right. the characters, Betty right. White. And Ed Asner, oh right, Lou, the Lou Grant character and the Ted Baxter character. You know, the interesting, Julie, the interesting Mary Tyler Moore, the interesting Mary Tyler Moore trivia was originally she was going to be divorced. That was the plan. And then it was CBS said, no, 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 we can't, we can't have Mary Tyler Moore divorced because they'll think that they'll they'll remember her as Laura Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke show. And they'll think that she divorced Dick Van Dyke or whatever. So she became, instead of divorced, it was, she had just you know her 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 her, her would be husband spirit <laughs> right yeah no thank right her thanks for going yeah her would be husband had left her at the altar or something like that and and that was it because we we couldn't have a divorced woman on on television let's talk to uh, Jason in Mequon Jason you're on WTMJ good afternoon hey afternoon Jeff for hey, me Jason. hands down it has to be NCIS okay how long have you been watching it since the beginning. Uh, since the beginning, uh, Netflix, they're up to 15 seasons now right. on Paramount Plus. They're, right. you know, 16, and next week on CBS, they're going to release the, you know, next season. So I'll be <laughs> watching with bated breath on that one. Well, that's, I, you know, people just, I, I'm just pulling this up now. There, there's over... There's over 435 episodes of NCIS, so yep. yeah, that, that, yep. that, that's, a, that's a lot of investigation. Okay, Jason, well, it, when you're watching the shows, what we're going to do, you are a winner this week, so we're giving you a couple free Palermo's pizzas and a pizza cutter and stuff so you can have like a snack on us while you're watching all those episodes of NCIS, okay? Oh, I greatly appreciate that. You need something to, you know, binge eat while you're binge watching it, you know, it, two it, o'clock it, in the morning or something. Yeah, so. It works for me. Th- thanks for the call. Yeah, that, that's it. Have, I, I love Palermo's pizzas at any time, but, uh, huh, two o'clock in the morning. I'm not sure I'd be sleeping much the rest of the evening if I have one of those giant, like, green pepper and onion and things like that, but they're great. 855-616-1620. Let's see. Um, let's talk to Matt. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I sure. appreciate it. No, thanks for calling. Okay. All right. Not, that you, you can watch all the episodes back-to-back. What would it be? So I probably watched all the episodes back-to-back oh, at least five or six times. The show is The Office. Okay. Um, I've, it's, it's on so many TV uh, It's on so many TV channels if you're on cable. Um, otherwise, you know, you got the op- streaming options with the Netflix. It's just it's the show's always around and I feel like it's just always on. Um, so it's something that I watch a, a lot of. Yeah. And Matt, thanks. Thanks for the call. You know, it's, it's fun. I know people love the office 
And I keep saying I want to give it a chance. And, and I just – so maybe what I need to do is exactly that, find out whatever streaming service it's on, and I probably have it, and, and then start from the beginning. I, I've watched – an episode here or there. I didn't watch it when it was first airing. I've watched an episode here or there, and I just confess I don't get it. I, I just it, it's I just but but maybe it's because I didn't get it in the beginning, and I don't really have the history of the characters and stuff. So I I am I'm not mocking that. I'm just I just I never got into that. Um, we are swamped with text. Let me just um, let's see, Jeff. For me, it's the good wife. Um, Jeff, um, I am, uh, Columbo. Oh, I, yeah, I love, Peter Falk was so, so great in Columbo. Jeff, for me, it would be Frasier. Yeah, Frasier would be, Frasier would be very good. I haven't, you know, I, I haven't gone back and watched it a lot. Jeff, I'm with your friends. Um, I'm all for the Andy Griffith show, and in particular, the black and white episodes. I love the interaction between Andy and Opie. Um, I also, I, the, the black and white ones, Don Knotts, was just just great. For me, it's uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah, I have a couple friends who are just, you know, big, big with Monty Python. Uh, Breaking Bad. Well, Breaking Bad is just an absolutely tremendous show. No question <clears throat> about that. Jeff, for me, it's Everybody Loves Raymond. I never get tired of it. I think the characters just make the show. Um, let's see. Blue Blood? Um, that's one I never got into either. But, um, Jeff, the show I always go back to is Dexter, which was, of course— the show, I think that was on Showtime about the serial killer. <laughs> just, but but whatever, you, you get to binge on what you want. And we just have, we have actually hundreds of texts that are coming in with people with their different ideas. Bottom line is that that's the fun thing about TV. It's you can find so much stuff. In some respects, it is the golden age of TV. And for the shows that are out there now, it's a wonderful opportunity to see things. Um, but a lot of us kind of go back to our old favorites time after time after time. Okay, that's it for me. Again, Pop Culture Corners presented by Palermo's Pizza. We do it all again next Friday, same time.